0: Welcome to Aviation I Aviation Zero. I'm delighted to be chatting with success coach, author, speaker, former naval officer, anxiety, and stress expert, Dee Woolridge. A very good day to you, Dee. How are you getting on?
1: I am getting on well, David. How are you? And thank you for um, inviting me on to your show to talk to your guests. No to talk pro- to your um, audience today.
0: No problem at all. As I'm, I'm delighted, we, we spoke with this before. We don't hide anything, but I chatted to Dee before the podcast started to, to let her know that most people forget me names. So she got that out <laughs> of the way as soon as possible. So I've been called many things. We've got to date, <laughs> which is really, really good. So where, where are you Dee at this moment in time? What place, where are you on the planet?
1: I am in my office in a town called San Antonio, in a state called Texas, in the United States. Very nice. And what's the temperature?
0: We need to know what the temperature is like, especially winter is coming in Ireland, so we need to know.
1: It is typical for a Texas day, and it is um, at this afternoon, it's about 80 degrees.
0: Oh, very, very, very nice. It's uh, So I'm sure it'll climb, climb to in the 90s. I mean, is, what's, You're what's jealous humidity? of the heat, huh? Oh, yeah, we're very jealous of the heat. But we're coming in now to the winter season. So it's, uh, We're yeah, I'm very, very jealous. But anyway, we'll move on, D. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Sure. I have a, a really um, diverse
1: background. I spent um, 32 years in the Navy doing various things from uh, learning how to work on helicopters to being a public affairs officer and working on Hollywood movies. I have been in corporate America. I'm a mom of a young adult with autism and um, a mother of a blended family, married to a Marine. And um, now I help people with resilience, mindset, and communication. And I've learned how to, I got really good at helping people with stress and anxiety, because it's a lot of that going on now. And, and especially because of the current climate.
0: So can I ask then what, I mean, I'm really curious now, because I'm a big movie fan. So what, what, what were you doing in the movies? I was a
1: consultant on several different sets um, to, uh, like, uh, there was a, sh- a TV show called um, The Last Ship, Okay. And it was on the channel C- TBS. I was also a consultant on Transformers, the movie. Oh <gasps> no way! And yeah, no. so what we did.
0: You know, Optimus Prime. No, I don't know Optimus Prime. <laughs>
1: you know, a lot of the things were shot in the studios. Right. Shot, you know, off. You know, not what we did. There were, you know, things were shot out of order. You would think that you know everything is linear, but it's not. So they could be shooting the last scene of a show or of a movie first. Um, what I did was two things. Um, I was in charge of anything they had to do on a military ship on the actual ship. Oh wow! Getting all of the 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 people, the cast, the equipment, the semis all of those things onto the facility on the base, you know, getting all the clearance, finding the right ship for, um, for the, the scenes to be shot on and um, doing all of the clearances involved in getting that done. And also consulting with um, the producer, the director, the writers on a proper protocol. On the way, the actors wore their uniforms, their haircuts, what they would say, consulting on scripts, um, getting approvals for different things. So, those are some of the roles that I that I did with um, the Hollywood movies. And did you
0: meet did you meet Shia LaBeouf or any of the Hollywood stars? Um, saw them shook hands with them could not take pictures oh, <laughs> cuz you know we were
1: instructed you know don't don't get all starstruck but you know you you are you are for the first time right and um, and it's so funny because they're wearing the uniform, like many of the shows, like The Last Ship, it was all about the Navy. It was yeah. the last ship in the, in, the, in the fleet in the Navy. They were wearing the uniform and so was I. So they would look at me and think I was part of the cast you know, of part or, or an extra. And then, um, you know, cause they would look at me cause I was just a little bit different, you know, right. or, or held myself a, a little bit different. Like we really have military bearing when you're in the military It's just the way you stand, the way you speak is very different from an actor who's trying to portray um, a military uh, person who doesn't really have that background and that reference. So, um, yeah, I got to see uh, uh, many different actors that were on there and I did, the ones that I got to work up close and personal with when I was checking hair um, and uniforms and talking to them about, um, there was a scene on the last ship where they were shooting the guns from the ship and nobody was moving. They would just go, okay, shoot, you know, right. you know uh, fire. And then, you know, and then the, nobody would move. And so when they broke, uh, for a break, I would you know say to the assistant um, director, "You know they're shooting the guns and and nobody's moving you know you you may have to break in real life, they would probably brace because there's a way you stand on the ship. you have to learn because the ship is always moving
0: right <laughs> wow. so you don't you
1: don't shoot big guns and nobody moves you know, no. and just things like that and um yeah, I'll tell you a funny story lady there uh, later there's lots of funny stories that. Have to I'm, do with
0: some.
1: fascinating because even
0: with, with Michael that. Bay, yeah. I just love yes episodes, <gasps> movies. Yeah. I'm just fascinated. And Transformers, I didn't know we could have just having a podcast on Transformers. Let's let's, <laughs> let's work about the other stuff. Um, let's just move on. Okay. Let's <laughs> about Megan Fox and anyway. yeah. Okay. And um, so generally, what so what, what was it like in the U.S. Navy?
1: The U.S. Navy. Oh my goodness! Because my career spans so long, and I've done different things you know, I can remember from the, you know, my first day, and from my last day, and it's expanded gamut of emotions. It was exciting, it was challenging, I was prideful, I felt secure, um, I felt um, a part of this amazing, special uh, force, but then there was also times where I felt frustrated, uncertain, and impatient, so... All of those things were part of the feelings that I went through. And you think about, I grew up, they raised me, you know, my, my parents did so much. And then they, you know, I was sent off, you know, I I went to the Navy and that's where I grew up, you know, so I went from a child basically, you know, or young adult to um, being a mature leader. Yes. in in the navy and i was just groomed by them one year after another one year after another one assignment after another one mentor after another one failure one success and all of those things i learned from being in this um in our great navy i'm really was proud it, of my service
0: oh without a doubt i mean it must be quite disciplined is it don't like to be disciplined you probably won't like to be (laughs) in an
1: organization that that um, works on the discipline and you have to when you think about it and you know because we're you know we're talking to your aviation um, audience there are things that you just have to do otherwise you you won't be safe you you know so um, having that discipline and order and structure is paramount to having an effective Navy
0: and military. And then the, what, what was the training like? I mean, is it like what we see in the TV shows and in the movies, getting back to that? I mean, is it quite intense, the training?
1: Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the short answer. Right. Yes, um, part of our training, well, there's lots of different kind of training. I think what most people see is the physical training, you know, the being physically fit for um for what you have to do and remember our jobs as service members um are different depending on what service there is so if you're like my husband a marine um their motto is first to fight so they're probably uh the most fit okay. you know they because of their mission they do a lot of ground work where the navy our job, our primary mission is to be aboard ship. So that's why we run a mile and a half and they run three miles, you know, okay. for you know, what <laughs> we get tested on. See, so there's different. So we, we train for our mission. And um, so what you see on television is part of what I was doing as a consultant is saying when I'm looking at scripts or, or looking at what people are writing in books, is saying, well, that's not how we do it. That's how the army does it. So, if you want to know how the navy does it, this is this is what we do. And just making those corrections because everybody's training is not the same. It depends on your mission. It depends on um, your job, um, and it depends on uh, you know your technical skills uh, that you need. So, there are different kinds of types of training. There's operational training, um, general military training, there's your tech training, there's career training, there's the physical readiness training, there's all kinds of training. So you're always training. (laughs) You're always training something daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly. There's always some kind of qualification that you need to have checked off. And that's
0: the full caboodle, you do everything.
1: The full contract. yeah. So it's, it's everything, so you you are, that's part of being a well-oiled machine. Um, so that's all of that conditioning,
0: yeah. So can I, can I ask, the, I mean, this is just for my own sake, I'm sure the listeners yeah. want to know about this. I mean, you, you mentioned there that your husband's a Marine. I mean, how long mm-hmm. can he hold his bread for? Because we hear, <laughs> we hear all these things underwater. I don't mean like when he's standing no. like, outside the supermarket, I mean, underwater, can, can no. he hold his bread for long?
1: So my husband was in aviation, ordinance right and he was a safety officer so um he didn't do anything in the water okay (laughs) the marines the marines the reason why they call them the marines they're um air land and sea okay means there are um part of their mission is to um be on land and um some of them have they have amphibious aircraft and uh uh sea craft meaning that their their crafts can um come from one of our naval naval ships go through the water and then right onto the land and right. of course they have uh aircraft you know they have helicopters and fixed wing aircraft too so my husband wasn't part of the the marines that did anything in the water
0: so you know, say, say for example we we just say for example we we twist it a little bit so we say say we say your husband was part of the team that was in the water. So how long would they roughly hold their bread for? Or is it, is it, cause we hear, we hear all these, um, uh, stories that it can be like a few minutes. It's not normal, is it?
1: I don't know. I, are you talking about, um, like Navy SEALs Yeah. or something like that? Those are t- Navy SEALs and Marines are, are different, right. two different branches of service, Navy SEALs are part of the elite team, um, elite fighting team of the Navy right marines are a different branch they're their right. own branch of the of the navy and um many of them are marines are known for their uh skills on land mostly right. so what their mission is to come clear a path for the army right so you want your your badasses in there first to you know they're going to clear a path you know we the navy will drop them off or they get dropped above uh, from above, and then, um, but not in the, not necessarily in the water. Right. So I don't know how long anybody can hold their breath, oh. because that
0: wasn't, that wasn't what my husband did. Right. You know, I, but if you ask. It- I'm getting yeah. so educated here i'm loving this conversation so what we can do is next yeah. time we'll get we'll get a navy seal on and then they can tell us how long they can hold the press yeah you time. get a navy seal <laughs> on and they'll be able to, to do that so we can if, th- with that. yeah so, so what about these i mean you served you served as part of the communication uh, integration team in afghanistan mm-hmm. and iraq mm-hmm. so what what does this role involve
1: i was part of the public affairs team um headquartered at u.s central command and our area of responsibility was not only Afghanistan and Iraq, but it was also um, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Yemen, Pakistan, and um, other countries in that region. And that central region is among the least secure and stable places in the world. So um, part of being at U.S. Central Command, it wasn't just the Navy. It was all of the branches of the military in the US plus our um, NATO allies. So there were, you know, some Aussies there, there was, uh, we met people, uh, there were people from Ireland and and uh, Canada, um, all of our allies, We there, there was some branch there. So what we did, the communication integration was just as it sounds. How do we integrate as one big team to have our message clear and consistent across all of the branches where we are disseminating information um, more effectively. And that, as a public affairs officer, that was my job to disseminate information. And how we did that was, um, or what I did was um, covered media inquiries, monitor what was going on between us and our area of responsibility um, and how we presented that information to the american public we had our communication integration team which was um, a team that worked on planning like how if what if something happened how are we planning to get that information out before right. it happened? Um, we had a social media team that spoke several languages, that um, were civilians, um, that were, um, you know, that would monitor things that were being said and correct misinformation. Because there's a lot of misinformation that goes on that talks about, you know, what America is doing. Or what other, some of the other our allies were doing that that wasn't correct. So we had um, teams that monitored that and made the corrections. And also, you know, it was briefing our leaders. You know, as we watched the information coming, go from one place to the next, we would brief our our leaders for interviews, um, making sure that information that was coming from our president and the Pentagon and our leadership. Was the information that they wanted us to present and how we presented it. So that was what I did for yeah. the communication integration team. I know that's a mouthful, fool, but yeah, it, it was more involved than that. But that's the the um, the overall arching uh, role that I played in in that.
0: In no, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I was mm-hmm. lucky enough or fortunate enough. I, I flew into uh, Basra and Baghdad a few times and um, uh, in Pakistan a few times as well. So yeah, it, it, it's, it was interesting to have on the, on the logbook or the CV to, to actually fly into uh, some of these places. So mm-hmm. what about then the, the, um, the H-60B helicopter? What, what's it like and is it fun? <laughs>
1: well, I wasn't <laughs> a pilot. I was a plane captain and an aviation electrician's mate. Um, on that helicopter. And it was the first, it was my first job in the Navy before I became a public affairs officer and did all that stuff with US Central Command. So um, when I first joined the Navy, I didn't care what my job, would, I shouldn't say I didn't care what my job was gonna be. I was open to having any job. I just wanted to go to the Navy to for for money for college. Yeah. And my, My idea was, I'll just do four years, get the money, and I'll leave. Well, 30 years later, (laughs) 30 years later, I got more than money for college. I got a sense of pride and uh, direction, and I got to sample so many different things, and one of them was being um, an electrician on the H60B helicopter. So um, what I remember about the helicopter, and this was in the 90s, so I'm dating myself here. No, <laughs> as, um, And uh, the the aircraft was by Sikorsky, um, twin turbo engine, multi-mission um, helicopter. And this helicopter was based on the Army's Black Hawk. And so many people, if you want to know what it looks like, if you you can just google black hawk, black hawk down yep. and um, <laughs> but the difference is one of the differences the black hawk was it had fixed um, fixed uh, the landing gear was fixed right you know, so they were and on the um, seahawk is what we called ours the seahawk it had um, tires so and and they were uh, retractable so they would would go up. So those those that was some of the difference in that. So you have the Black Hawk and then you have the Seahawk. And guess why we called it the Seahawk?
0: Tell me. Tell me. Because
1: it's it's an aircraft that went to sea. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's it had multiple missions. Um, one of the the good things about it had a lot of great things, but um, this aircraft was small enough to go on to some of the small boys, that's what we call the small ships, like the frigates and the destroyers, the cruisers, um, some of the faster ships, but it was also um, uh, the Because of its mission could go on to some of the bigger, the bigger ships, the assault ships and the aircraft carriers. The mission of the Seahawk at that time was anti-submarine warfare and that's when we were still in you know it was still in the 90s so we were still hunting submarines right and um so that mission the mission of the aircraft has since, since changed then and it's more search and rescue uh combat search and rescue vertical replenishment meaning that um if a ship needs something you're gonna uh from another ship you can or from a supply station it can you know you can load the helicopter up with supplies and then drop it off on the ship and um medical evacuation so those are some of the missions of that of that aircraft fascinating i mean i
0: think was was it was a one of the movies (laughs) zero dark 30 i think was that the h60 bravo helicopter i don't i'm not too too sure but um yeah it's it's a it's a a beautiful helicopter um Mm -hmm. So, do you just move on then? So, we—you're an anxiety, anxiety, and stress expert. So, what is anxiety?
1: Oh my goodness! Um, anxiety is the mind and body's reaction to stressful, dangerous, or unfamiliar situations. It's that sense of uneasiness and and that distress or dredge, People, a lot of people feel it in their chest. They feel it in their their gut. Um, it's I just say it's fear. And it's the body saying, I'm scared, I'm unsure, I don't know. Or it's even saying, it's saying, um, I don't remember, or I do remember. It's that level between stress and panic. So it's more than stress, but less than panic, because there's these different states that your body is in. And when people are in anxiety, that means that they move from normal stress, where you are alert and ready to to, um, to move, to anxiety where you're in that fight or flight. So right. that's the difference between stress and anxiety. And then when you get to panic, nothing's happening, then you're in the, the freeze and, of it all.
0: And then, I mean, so with regards to anxiety, Itself. I mean, you mentioned the difference there between stress and anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. how, how can somebody, say the person like myself, say I'm experiencing anxiety, how would I know if I am experiencing it? And then say if somebody else is looking at the person who has anxiety, how could they see that as well?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, first is uh, let's talk about how you see it in yourself because many people have anxiety walking around all the time and other people don't know it. Yeah. So feeling it in yourself, um, anxiety can feel you can feel worried or scared. Anxiety can cause physical symptoms like I talked about before, like a heaviness in the chest. It can be your your heart beating fast or, or you're sweating. And sometimes it can even feel like you're having a heart attack. You don't even know what what's going on with you. You just don't feel good. It can feel like nausea in your stomach. And the reason why is because um, of our adrenal glands, your body is actually doing what it's supposed to do. So, when you're moving from stress to anxiety, what happens is the adrenal glands get the message from your brain that you're in danger. And your adrenal glands make and release this hormone called cortisol into your bloodstream. And um, this stress hormone increases, it just increases your blood rate your blood pressure and it's your natural fight or flight response that all humans have and it kept us alive for thousands of years (laughs) you know the cavemen said don't go to that watering hole over there because the the pterodactyls will get you or um that's where the t-rexes are but over here it's nice and safe so it is that um that adrenaline increase into the body that helps you run from the saber tooth tiger. Right. So we, we still have that. We still have that. The problem comes when, when your entire life is high stress and you're always in high gear and your body may constantly pump out this cortisol. And this has several negative effects, such as incre- increased blood sugar, weight gain, uh, suppressed immune system, digestive problems, heart disease, and so on. How, how can you see it in someone else yep if the color drains from their face they're probably afraid <laughs> are
0: we talking about a purple face or are we talking about a pale face
1: we're talking about a pale face <laughs> right because every all the blood is rushing to the extremities to, right. to to the arms and the legs to keep them pumping and moving um, so that so that you can run and keep yourself safe uh, sometimes when people are Are breathing you know when they when they're not in the regular rhythm um where they're not where they're breathing shallowly from their chest instead of from their diaphragm and you know they can't get the words or they're quiet because so many things are going on in their mind other times you know when i've been working with clients because they have anxiety they reschedule things they don't show up for things Right. They don't do what they say they're going to do because they're afraid. And many people think they're flaky. They're not flaky. They're
0: just afraid. Uh, what about the, then, like for body, uh, say, not so much body language? Don't we Sometimes you might see somebody kind of, I wouldn't say twitching, but like mm-hmm. they might be shaking or or they might have, like, a bit of movement going on in the body. I mean, is that is that a sign of anxiety as well?
1: It's just, That's a sign of stress because they're True. trying to calm themselves. Right. When you are, when they're moving, um, they're trying to self-soothe. And, and I know this because, um, well, for a lot of reasons, because I've seen my, my clients do it right before hypnosis. I'm a hypnotherapist. I forgot to mention that. But um, one of the tools I use to help people with stress and anxiety is, is hypnosis. And many times, they're stressed before they go into it. Or if we bring up a stressful um, situation while they're in hypnosis, they can be twisting their fingers, you know, um, moving, uh, shaking their leg. My daughter who has autism dealt with debilitating stress and anxiety as she was growing up. And she would often, you know, shake her legs under the table or um, shake her hands, and it was just a way to self-soothe. So yeah. when people are doing that, they are stressed um, and going into um, anxiety.
0: That, that, that makes perfect sense now, Dee, because mm-hmm. anytime I'm flying and I'm doing an approach to land to an airport, and the first officer is kind of uh, move, moving his legs a little bit, I know now he's trying to soothe himself because he's bit trying worried. to soothe. He's trying to worry. Yeah. Worried about how his landing is going to work out. Is it going to be a <laughs> Soft and hard. Yep. So I have to give them them credit. So uh, so any first officers out there I've flown with, you know, I I know what's going on now. So (laughs) don't worry about it whatsoever. We used to have a joke. D is kind of like (laughs) we used to say um, that when you see the first officer move a little bit, (laughs) you knew you knew it was time to flare the aircraft. So it was time to, like, oh, okay, he's moved or she's moved, so I have to fare the airplane now for landing.
1: Um, yeah,
0: it'll probably How can someone cope with anxiety? How, how do we cope?
1: Well, there's many different ways, and um, so one is treating the cause, and the other one is treating the symptoms. So, I'm going to go over a couple of things on how you can treat the symptoms because. Sometimes treating the cause will take more than more than what we have right now, but treating the, the symptoms, you will want to know how to do this if you are, are in it. One is diaphragmatic breathing. And have you heard of that before, David? No. On how to breathe properly. Not at all. No. Nope. Okay. Well, One of the things that people do, or many of us do, and we don't even know it is that we're breathing shallowly from our chest. So that means much of the oxygen that we need is not getting to where we need it to be. Diaphragmatic breathing is just that, breathing from the diaphragm. And if you can, you can even try it right now, you can put one hand above your belly button and one on your chest. so when you breathe in your belly should go out but your but your chest should not move okay so if you just take a deep breath in and push your stomach out push it out okay push it out so so if you breathe in and you can think of um three four three so if you breathe in for three hold it for three and then breathe out for three. So when you breathe out, your stomach or belly should actually go
0: in. Is it it cheating, Dee, if you have a big stomach? (laughs) No. (laughs) Because my stomach stomach is already out. So I don't know if that's a good good thing or a bad thing, but no, I'm I'm sorry, continue, sorry.
1: Hey, look! As long as it, as long as you can expand it and you can feel it, you know yes. what? Is there it, it's, it, that's it is there.
0: Out. Yes, that's it.
1: I think the thing is that your chest shouldn't move. Right. That's why you're putting your hands on both places, is saying. So if your chest is moving, you're not doing it right. Okay. So diaphragmatic breathing has a way of calming you. It it is, it's a very, it's very calming. And the reason why you're doing that count is so that you have, you get a rhythm, um, rhythm to your breath and that you are not breathing shallowly. So if you just go, yeah, you can do that with, with your belly and your chest not moving. But if you take three counts, three to four counts to breathe in, you're getting a full diaphragmatic breath, and then you're holding it. So, what another thing that's doing is keeping you mindful, keeping your mind on the breath, not what you're afraid of. Okay,
0: still doing it, I'm doing it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The second thing you can do, David, is to be present. Use all of your senses and take full notice of what you see, hear, feel, smell in your environment and staying present. Anxiety and panic is generally associated with remembering something upsetting. Or um, if you're not just thinking in the past, you're thinking about something that could happen. So being present, especially when you're flying. And I think like your first officer may be twitching because they, (laughs) they may be remembering a um, an e- an event where they didn't land so softly, or the you know they didn't land the landing quite like they wanted to. So they're gearing up
0: for what's next. Yeah, the car- the carrier landing is about to come. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the hook out and, and we'll yeah. land as hard as we can. Yes. Yeah. No. Oh. no
1: yeah. So we have this thing. Um, my husband and I would because um, on navy ships the on on aircraft carriers uh with the with the fixed wing aircraft they get tail hooked you know the helicopters just hover down on their spot and then there's a um, goodness I'm forgetting the name of it but there's this uh, is a steel rod that comes out of the it's flexible, but but it comes out and it hooks into the deck of the aircraft when the um uh, deck of the the ship so when the ship is rocking it keeps the, the helicopter straight until it gets down into its landing landing position. Oh, wow. But but on aircraft carriers, you only have this small space and and the 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 deck could be filled with other aircraft and people. Right. <laughs> so 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 there's a, they have to be tail hooked to stop them or they'll go right off the end. Right. And you've seen these on television. Oh yeah. So we always say that you know, so when my husband and I, when we fly commercially, we know what kind of pilot, you know, if they've been trained by the military or not. Because if it's tail down first, they've probably been um, trained by the Navy. And if they come down um, just, you know, straight and level, they probably been trained by the Air Force. right? Because the Air Force, they're not landing on um, aircraft and they don't have a tail hook. The pilots that, um, pilot on um, a, a board uh, aircraft that go aboard ship have to have their tail slightly down so that tail hook can get down and get one of those cables that are um, that catches the wires going across the ship. Anyways, that's some Navy, some Navy stuff. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, so other things to help you with anxiety is uh, um, aromatherapy. This is something that you guys—it may sound girly to you—but look, this is what we do for our veterans here. I work, I volunteer in an organization called Vet Trip. And it helps any. We help anyone who's um, who's a veteran, even and also their spouses, and particularly people who have uh, had PTSD or have it. And one of the things we do is simple: aroma of uh, some essential oil in the palm of your hand, and you just you drop it put a drop or two in your hand, rub your hands together, cuff your hands and put it over your nose and breathe in. And what this do, particularly lavender, it interacts with the neural transmitter called GABA, G-A-B-A. And this helps quiet the brain and the nervous system. And um, it reduces agitation, anger, aggression, and restlessness. So having just a little vial of that in your in your pocket or you know in your um, somewhere on you and just dropping a little bit of that into your hand and just taking a whiff of that works on the olfactory system and it helps to calm you down another thing you could do and this one is is really easy and it works in seconds and that is you stimulate the vagus nerve. Have you heard of the vagus nerve before, David?
0: I've heard, but I'm not too sure about it. You can you tune can okay. me in. <laughs> okay.
1: So the vagus nerve is it's the longest nerve in the body, and it connects your brain to many important organs throughout your body, including your gut, your heart, your lungs. And this can be found. Um, so if you take your index finger and go behind your ear. Okay. So let's do it on the right side behind your ear and just go straight down behind your ear and then stop in the middle of your neck. So on the side of your neck, that's where you're gonna start the um, stimulation. So now with that same hand, your right side, you're gonna take the back of your hand, not your fingers, but the back of your hand and place it right there on that spot where you stopped. Okay. So the back of your hand is going to be on your neck, on the side of your neck. Okay. That's where you start the, the stimulation. So some people will just take a couple of fingers and um, rub that spot. But how we teach our veterans is, is to use the back of their hands because you have that connection and you put it on that spot and then you start the diaphragmatic breathing.
0: And it's a circles D, is it? When you're using, when you're on that spot, I mean, with a back. On of that your hand. spot,
1: just put your hand there. Just put. You don't have to do anything. Just put your hands there. Put your bit. one hand, the back of your hand, on that spot. You can close your eyes and do the diaphragmatic breathing with your left hand. I know this is kind of hard to describe, but um, you take your. We call it hook them horns here, but it's like rock on, you know, that simple, you can do rock on where your thumb is out, yep. your uh, pointer fingers out and your pinky finger is out. And then those two middle fingers are bent in toward the palm. Yep. Okay. So you could take the fingers that are out and put them on the top of your head. Okay. On the, on the very top of your head. So why you I know it's, it's weird, but I'm telling you it works. So put those Three fingers, the top of your head, and then the other hand on your right side on that vagus nerve and breathe. And if you're in panic, you will, after like three cycles of the breathing, you open your eyes and you just feel so calm and then you're talking like this. So when I do that with my clients or anybody, I've done it with my nephew doing COVID because my sister said, you know, Timothy's, he's having a panic attack now. What do I do? I was like, tell him to do this. And I've had people call me and said, you know, I'm having a panic attack. I I don't know what to do. And I tell him to do this. I just describe it to him and say, do this. And then now when we get, so when I'm talking them through it and, and just having them breathe, and then I can talk to them and just say, find something and focus on that. And this is if I'm not in front of them. So if I'm in front of them, I just have them focus on me, look at me, or look at my nose, look at my nose, and then I have them do this procedure right here, and that takes you out of anxiety and um, right into a more state of, of calm, and then they can talk about what they, when they get to a state of calm, they could talk about what they were fearful of. Okay, so can I give you one more? Yeah, that, go ahead. Um... Yeah. <laughs> can, can I just ask, you, what, what, what's that technique called? We call it the Vet Trip Salute. The Vet
0: Trip Salute. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Vet. V E T. Yep. For
0: veteran. Trip. T R. I I P. Vet Trip Salute. And is, re, is salute. it like a, is re, like an explanation? Do you have that on your website? Do you? The the. the you the can. Way it's, done?
1: it's not on my website, but it's you can go on YouTube and just put it in a vet trip salute and someone, um, one of the, uh, the volunteers that worked with us, she demonstrates it on how to do it. That's cool. So I'm not sure where it came from, or who who made that up, but I know that it 's from stimulating the vagus nerve and then adding the um, the other part where you are putting your fingers on the ventricles on the top of your head and um, doing that together has this soothing effect that it never goes wrong, and with my with you know using it with my daughter who I'm telling you, there's so many things that's going on since coronavirus that so many people have been panicked yeah. that I've just been saying, okay, just do this. And my daughter was one of the people that, that I had to do this with. I mean, she was stuck to my hip for two days. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we would work through it, um, putting the, and I ac- actually even put, uh, stimulated the vagus nerves with my fingers. Like you can have somebody behind you. Um, and just s- gently massaging that part um, of your of your neck on both sides with the essential oil, with the lavender, chamomile, frankincense are really good oils that help with um, help soothe soothe you soothe the central nervous system. Because what you want to do is get that you want to get that um, heart rate back to normal, and also um, you have to wait if. If adrenaline is already in your system, there's nothing you can do. You just have to wait it out.
0: Right.
1: You got to, You have to wait until it is back to normal and that cortisol goes back to normal. So these are things you can do to help you feel calm and so, um, uh, calm and tranquil while that stress hormone is out of your body. But before you get to that point, you can do this technique.
0: So what's
1: the other technique to you as well the the, oh. the fourth one one of the one of the things that um, you can do that the pilots can do is prepare beforehand meaning think about why you were in a state of anxiety or stress before it's always something that you are afraid of or you are uncertain if you're afraid of something ask yourself what what is it? And then write it down. It's like, what am I afraid of? What it down. And if, what are you doubting? It probably means you need more training because you know, because if you are certain, then you're not afraid. Yeah. If, and to trust your training Trust your training. And if you don't trust your training, that means you haven't had enough of it or you don't have the right instructor. Right. Or, and then you have to trust the people who you're flying with. So if you're a second officer, um, you have to trust the your, your first officer. Have faith in him that they know the, the safety procedures in and out. And don't, um, I, I used to uh, see the pilots going over their safety procedures Over and over and over um, because one of the worst things you can do is be complacent. Yes. So it is the simplest things that seem insignificant can be the one thing that breaks that you're not even thinking of. So trust um, so trust your training because if there is an emergency, it's like muscle memory. You will just jump right into um what you're supposed to do
0: yeah you're, you're right Dee. i mean i i know with regards to anxiety especially during the six month period because uh we do recurrent training and recurrent simulators so mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of um pilots even cabin crew um they get kind of very anxious because you know yourself what will happen will they'll find out what the um the uh, the the training will be about, and then maybe two or three guys have found the training tough. So they they tell two other guys, and those two other guys, the story grows legs, and then uh. they tell another two guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah we know, you know, that know it,
0: Before you know it, then the guys who have probably are very good at what they're doing and are very competent, and uh, mm-hmm. all of a sudden the anxiety increases because mm-hmm. like, oh dear, oh, dear. I, I didn't realise that was going to happen. Or, or, you know, <laughs> But, but as you said correctly I mean if you're competent and you're confident yeah. um, and you, you trust in your training as you said if, if, if you need more training ask for more training yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Um, I know it's going to cost the airlines a bit of, bit of money but I mean if um, I'm sure if, if, if it keeps you happy and it makes you more confident sure, sure why not no you're right what you're saying um, anxiety is, uh, is, is it's okay. fear it's fear that's what it is it's
1: yeah. fear or uncertainty. So that means so you 're asking yourself, what am I afraid of if you 're afraid of dying, you probably shouldn 't be flying yes. <laughs> you know, but then you also know how safe it is yeah. you know be, because you know if you're, if you 're a person that 's into numbers and data and statistics, you know that it is statistically one of the safest ways to travel, so knowing that um, that should take away some of the fear but um, if if you're constantly afraid then you have to ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Like some people will say, I'm afraid of heights, but then when I work with them, they're not afraid of heights, actually, they're afraid of dying. Yes. So we separate those two. So, you know, with with the pilots, um, if you're piloting an aircraft, One of the things that, um, as a um, plane captain, I'm not sure if you know what a plane captain is in in the U.S. Navy. It's the person or the people that take care of the aircraft, and and sign it off, fit for flying, ready to fly. Right. So when, so um, they're not the mechanics and the electricians and all of those people. These are the people that. They do the final check. Well, the pilot does the final check, but we are the ones that would go around the aircraft and look for cracks, leaks, um, anything out of the normal. Because this, you are assigned an aircraft, and many of the plane captains, we had our names um, painted on the side of the aircraft. That was our baby. Oh, wow. So we knew that we were in charge of multi, a multi million dollar piece of equipment. And the pilots life so walking around that aircraft touching it getting a feel of how everything is supposed to feel when something was out of place like a fastener is missing. You may think, oh, that's just a fastener. Yes, but because of the vibration in the air that fastener can cause another fastener to pop off and blow into an engine and then you blow an engine and then the aircraft is down and you lost lives. So not being complacent with, with those things. So it was my trust that I knew my aircraft and the pilots trust that he knew me. Yeah. And even when me saying to the pilot, how are you doing the day, sir? And it was like, I'm doing great. Then I know that the pilot's going up with the right mindset that he's checking everything in his checkbook switch, you know, flipping on all of those uh, switches, making sure all of his systems is in place. So all of us had this combined, um, we, it was a combined effort. The pilot was just the last, the last person. He was the one who gets in into the air. We were the one to ensure that he could do that. So it was all of us working together. So we're having this trust. And I don't know about about you, David, but if, you, if you're flying commercial aircraft, or you're, um, you may not have that relationship with, your, with the people who are working on your, on your plane. But if you do, if you get a chance to meet the people who are working on the aircraft, it's going to mean so much more to you when you build that trust. So when you're in the air, you know that your systems are going to work properly because you've built rapport with the people who are working on the aircraft and they have pride in what they're doing and they care about your safety and the safety of the people that you're transporting so when you know that that's one of the things you can check off your your list i'm safe so don't have to be a worry worry about that because everybody knows how important this is to get this aircraft up and running now it's my job so have I done everything I've done to keep myself and, the, and my crew safe and the people that I'm transporting? Have I done that or have I been complacent because this is old hat and I know how this works? And I just say there is no room for complacency. You do it every single time the same way, every single time. Otherwise, you will be subject of investigation if you make it from if you make it from a crash
0: no no you're right it's it's um i think the, the aviation industry is now so regulated that, i mean but the people that are involved in the industry irre- irrelevant of the regulations um they're, they're so passionate about you know maintaining the safety And that's like you know all the way down engineers air traffic controllers yeah you, you name it uh, security yeah. staff airport staff it's it's um they they're, they're kind of very unique um and they do have this uh, one thing that we all, lo- well, we all want to aim for is, is, is safety. So tell me this, the what, I know this is a bit digressing now, but I always oh, have it's okay. doing this. So what, what, <laughs> did you have a call sign? Did you have any like Maverick or Goose or, or No,
1: Iceland? no, those are all, Um, those are pilots. Pilots have those. And remember I was, for the first ten years I was an electrician and a plane captain. So um my job was just to work on the plane. I didn't have a name. I, oh, you, it you was my name was could have my off. name was Banny. They called me Banny. My last name was Bannister at the time, but I didn't have anything on my ham, helmet. Um, the pilots that was their stuff. I didn't I didn't we didn't have any of those things. But so we
0: but we could have given you one That we could've made it more like, you know. Uh, how dramatic! Because we can give you a name. I mean, my name would have been probably on the airplane. Do you know? The way like Tom Cruise has a, on the uh, the Tomcat, he has Maverick. Mine would be like just for men. You know? That would be that be my nickname. But I mean, we, we have to, we have to get one for your for yourself. But so so. Oh my me, goodness! What what about then for especially this time? I mean, what what advice mm-hmm. would you have for a, aviation? Uh, tourism, hospitality, aerospace staff at this moment that may be going through a a difficult time?
1: Well, just going back to um, writing down calming things that tell you the opposite of what your fear is, and then repeat those things to yourself if anxiety starts. um, Have a list and fill your list with lots of soothing messages and ideas of calming things to do. Humming is... Another way to stimulate the vagus nerve, singing. And that's what I found myself doing when I get nervous, I sing. And then I realized that's the way your vocal cords are stimulating that um, the vagus nerve. And that is part of the parasympathetic nervous system that keeps you calm and keeps you calm down. Um, and I'm gonna say again, remember your training, trust your training. Um, this is why the military drills over and over and over this is how our pilots get good at it. Um, this is how we get good at everything we do. So one of the things that I'm going to tell you is that um, my this doesn't have anything to do with aviation, but it has to do with training. So my husband, after leaving the military, you know, he works at children. Uh, he works in ch- with children in Children's Hospital here as. Um, an EEG technologist. And then our son, our oldest son is a respiratory therapist. We were in Target one day, like the the family, we were in Target. And we were going out the door and we just heard a big thud. And then we looked over at the door and there was a, a man passed out at the door. So my son and my husband ran over. And I just watched them like clockwork go through the procedures that they've been trained in so many times. They took his pulse and they talked to each other. He doesn't have a pulse. Then they checked, they said, he's not breathing. And they said to each other, let's start CPR. And I watched them perform CPR on this man until he, um, you know, until he regained consciousness. So, and they just did it like it was smooth. And when the guy came, he opened his eyes, they, they asked him the things that they've been trained to ask. What's your name? What day is it? Who's the president? How are you feeling? And then they stayed with him until the paramedics came. And then when the paramedics came, my husband and their son, they put their hats back on and then we walked out of Target, like it was just another day. Wow. And I was like, Oh, my God, that's why, you know, because they've been trained to do this over and over and over. So anybody that's working in an industry like in aviation, there's um, procedures and drills that you do over and over and over. And when you need them, you're going to just snap right into them. And then it's going to be just like another day, <laughs> yeah. like for for my husband and my son. It was like you know, it's like another day. They just walked on. They gave each other a high five, and then they just and then we just finished walking through the mall. And yeah. and um, you know, and those those are those are my heroes, my everyday heroes. But this is regular for them. So to so to answer your question, David, for the people that are listening that are. Um, anxious, or nervous, or people in this industry, and I keep going back to it, trust your training. If you have doubts and you have fear, you don't have enough information, and you don't have enough training. You should feel confident in what you are to do next, because a lot of anxiety comes from uncertainty of what will happen next. And my biggest takeaway that I want you to take away from this is, Plan what you can. Train as, train and drill, and then the rest is up to God.
0: That's great advice, and I think the uh, aviation listeners will, will will take all that on board. It's mm-hmm. um, it's very very important. So let us then D. Uh, the, I mean, I'm, I'm since you mentioned this at the beginning of the uh, of the podcast, and so you mentioned transformers. I'm kind of I'm I'm biting my lip here, so to speak. I, I just uh-huh. wanted to ask immediately. So you mentioned there you might have one or two funny stories. Um, have oh. you any have you any funny stories from Transformers? Don't don't let me down. Even make it up. <laughs> just just pretend.
1: <laughs> Let's see. Well, for Transformers, I did most of the the things in the office ex, except for um, coming out and watching. Um, uh, what's the director's name? Um, Michael Bay. Michael Bay is like a wild man so I remember so remember we're on the military base base. we're on 32nd Street at uh, 32nd Street Naval Station San Diego and so there's, it's a, it's a regular Naval station. So you have, and we're right next to Naval Air Station, San Diego. So there's always some kind of aircraft flying over some, you know, helicopters or, or jets or something that are flying over. So he took Michael Bay had his, um, camera and then he was like oh I gotta get this this wasn't part of what what he came to shoot but you know then you know he's shooting up. you know he's just moving the camera and just um swinging it around to get all angles of anything that was happening when the aircraft flying flying over so these were spontaneous shots that he was was getting um that ended up in the movie that weren't planned because you know, so, so just things like that, just watching him work like that and just watching the crew work a funny story from, uh, from uh, the last ship is remember when I was telling you about, you know, everybody's in uniform. So the cast is in uniform. And um, then you have, they used a lot of the Navy people as extras on the ship because we're actually shooting on a Navy ship. So, I remember coming aboard the ship and I'm passing this guy and he didn't salute. He didn't salute me. Right. And um, and at that time I was a Lieutenant commander and, and he had the uniform on as a Lieutenant. So, and that's a lower rank. So anybody lower ranking than you, you salute. Okay. So um, I go on, to, go on to the ship and he's come, going off the ship and he didn't salute. And I just looked at him and he looked at me. Then I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just it was just a weird thing. So I was like so when I got on the ship I was like um the lieutenant's on your ship don't salute and they were like ma'am he's an actor.
0: <laughs> oh, <I sure laughs> <I was> like... <laughs> oh my god!
1: So it was the actor um Jocko Sims and um and then there it, it was something else weird about him. He had like uh some stubble right. which you don't normally see on you know, on Navy guys unless they, they have trouble shaving. So anyways, that later on when we came back came back on and we uh, uh were were talking and I was just like somebody inter we somebody introduced us and I go, you know <laughs> that's why I looked at you funny. He was like, I know you looked at me, but you know, I didn't you were real officer I didn't think I was supposed to salute you, but then I was supposed, I think I wasn't. So it was like, he didn't know what to do right. because he's not, <laughs> you know, he wasn't a real officer, but he was passing, passing someone who was. So, and, but it was weird for me, cause I didn't know it. So anyway, we had a big laugh about that.
0: Well, that, that's actually the I mean, There's some cast with the, uh, the last ship. I mean, I'm, yet again, it's a Michael Bay I think he's a mm-hmm. uh, executive producer, uh, Jack Ben. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we're yes. movie talk yeah. today, but I'm a big movie fan. Yeah. I'm sure somebody uh, yeah. the listeners will be delighted to hear about this one um, as well. So it was really funny stories within the uh, the navy. Or can we talk about that?
1: <laughs> oh well, you know what? I don't right off hand. I don't remember funny stories, but just having but fun times. Right. I remember from from early on when i was just learning to be um, a plane captain and also an electrician and what you what they do is they assigned you a mentor before they let you loose on the aircraft by yourself thank god they do that so because <laughs> you because <laughs> you go from school then you go to um they call it the line um, and that's where if aircraft come in and it's got some issues going on a light come on a warning light or something come on they'll call troubleshooters out to the line to um, to check out whatever the light is so um, I could never go out by myself (laughs) until I got enough training so um, there was a petty officer there who um, who was really good his name was petty officer first class Charles Armour I'll never forget him he was hello Charles (laughs) Um, he ended up being a really really good friend of mine but um, he has such a great attitude such a really good attitude about it i was a girl and i didn't want to wear boots i didn't you know i wanted to i wanted to have earrings and finger you know long nail fingernails and stuff like that and you know so he taught me a lot about how important it was our job was so he says so they assigned him as my mentor, and what I would do when I was nervous, I would dance i would tap dance because <laughs> <I> was <laughs> I was <laughs> I was a tap dancer for many years, you know nice. through elementary school and high school, so I would tap dance because remember you you mentioned like shaking your leg and stuff oh, like yeah. that, so my feet were you know, I would do a shuffle ball change or something. <laughs> well, so Charles would say, what do you do? And I was like, you know, tap dancing. So he says, I'll teach you how to be um, an aviation electrician if you teach me how to tap dance. All so right. I remember uh, we would be on the flight. Uh, so if they call troubleshooters out to the line, we would be out there waiting for the aircraft to come in. And so we would be on the, out there on the line tap dancing. And sometimes it would be one in the morning, you know. Because if they were doing wow, okay. uh, night operations, um, we would have to be out there. We were the mid-check. I uh, mean, we started at midnight. And so we would work from midnight to, to 7 in the morning. And what do you do when it's 40 de, you know, 40, 30 or 40 degrees out on the flight line? You tap dance. Oh
0: wow! <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Dancing with the Stars producers now are listening to this, and they'll get you on the next show. That's the plan, anyway. <laughs> is 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 the, I mean, the um for our listeners then to get in contact with you on social media. I mean, yeah. I know you have a website, so let's get the plug. So let them know where they can get in touch with you on Instagram, Facebook, and your website as well.
1: So, mine is really easy. It's all D Woolridge. Um, D E E. And Woolridge is spelled W O O L R I D G E. So, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and yeah, those is D Woolridge. On Facebook, it's Coach D Woolridge. And my website, guess what it is? D
0: Woolridge. (laughs) So, those are easy. So confusing, you yeah, know. <laughs> I
1: tried to make it easy for people,
0: you know. No, it's it's, it's necessary. It's it's okay. everything's easy these days. So, what help then the can you provide to the aviation, airspace, travel, tourism industry professionals if they were to get in touch with you? So, what 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 can you do to help?
1: Sure, there are three things and it just depends on what your level of what level of support you need Uh, one if you're stressed anxious or stuck um, you can tap into my free online self-paced workshop it is um, I poured a lot of information into it on some of the things that we just talked about the diaphragmatic breathing it has um, has all of that in there it has a workbook that you that you can um, download and you could just self-pace, work through it and you can find that at stress.dwoolridge.com. Okay, Okay. so if you have your stress under control and your anxiety under control, but you want a daily stream of information, inspiration and motivation to keep you in a positive mindset and if you are in that industry, if you're in this industry, you need that. You want to be upbeat. Um, you want to be positive because all of those things help keep you stress-free. You gotta, it's a constantly, it's a constant work on. It's like that's part of your drills as a military person is what are you filling your mind with? And if this is something you want to do, you can tap into the Mind Shift membership program. And the link to that is M S M. That's Mike Sierra Mike at dwoolridge.com look at me mike sierra mike See, i didn't forget my training <laughs> oh, and the last thing is if you need um, more support one-on-one support or coaching um, I'm a, i am a transformational coach in um, stress and anxiety is something that you heard me say in the beginning that i got really good at helping people get through that stuck period that 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 fear and um, i've helped thousands of people and and i've been doing it for over a decade so if you need help in that way you can contact me for a free consultation at bookwithdwoolridge.com.
0: there's lots of help there which is lots
1: of help at different levels
0: which is brilliant what we'll do is D, when 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 the podcast is published we'll put all the links um in with the podcast um, okay so people then can go directly uh, to your to your site and to your information. So I want to thank um, thank you, David, stress coach, author, and uh, expert. Sorry, anxiety and stress expert, Dewarich, today for joining me on Aviation at Aviation Zero. I've had a lot of fun today, especially <laughs> especially the part with transformers. You really got me going there. I know we should <laughs> talk about this, but um, uh, thank you so much, Dee, for talking with me today. It's been it's been a pleasure. And you know what?
1: I I think I might be able to dig up some pictures of me on set. If, the, if you had a place for them, then I could send them to you um, of Transformers and The Last Ship. Oh, without a doubt. Of, of doing doing that kind of work. It was um, I couldn't take pictures with the stars, but I can take pictures of the stars.
0: No, don't worry. <laughs> what we'll do, don't worry with the listeners. Just send the photographs to me. And what I'll do is I'll put them on my wall and I'll, I'll superimpose my face on somewhere. Oh, you're too funny. Put in the, the picture. But thank you so much, Dee, for yeah. coming with me today. Thank you. Thank you, David. You take care. Thank you.